0: Well, welcome back to another episode of The Soundworks Collection. I am Michael Coleman. And today we're gonna to be talking with the sound team from Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light. Welcome, Chris, William, and Stuart. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Hi. Thanks for having us.
0: What was your guys' first impression of, you know, when you found out about Empire of Light, what the script was asking for, and when it came to uh, this story and the, the time and place of it, what, what what to you was exciting?
1: I think it's it's the fourth, Uh, film of Sam's that I've worked on but um, I think what was exciting and different was that um, this was the first film that Sam wrote himself and um, it wasn't in the Bond films in 1917 there's quite a bit of action and so on Uh, so this is um, no less challenging because it's about the intimacy and the subtlety of the characters and the dialogue between them and you know every word is significant. Every pause is significant, and I just felt. I mean, the characters are vulnerable and they're endearing, but I, I, I just knew that uh, for me, capturing the performances live would be essential. So, um, and that also that Sam's process, you know, his theatre background, he's all. Everything revolves around the actors and the performance, and everything has to fall into line around that. So. Um, it was about preparation so that we could let them play on that stage and we could step back and, you know, capture whatever they did.
0: This is an all-star cast. I mean, Olivia Coleman, Michael Ward, Colin Firth, Toby Jones, it goes on and on. I just, That's just on the screen. Behind the screen, I mean, we're talking about Roger Deakins behind the camera, Trent, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross with the music, editor Lee Smith. I mean, it just seems an all-star cast and crew, you know, Chris and Will, what was your sense of walking into a San Mendes film your first time working on with, with him? You know, what, what, what was your, where was your head, Chris?
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I didn't have a, as much time to prepare for this. It was quite a short schedule, but I immediately, I saw the film in the weeks leading up to some pre-mix and then final mix. It, it, it was clear that this was just a, a very personal, intimate story that was going to we we're going to have to treat really carefully and subtly, and and really just spend our time getting into Sam's mindset about how he wants to approach it. It's always the case. I, I knew by reputation that Sam is knows what he wants, um, but it varies from something like a nineteen seventeen or a Bond. Through to something like this sonically, how we were going to basically achieve his sonic vision, plus, you know, what we had the vision already on screen, and then what Stuart brought from the from the actual location recordings, what we had to do to get those performances, these amazing actors, and then just blend it into something that really felt super personal and, and moving so that that was the kind of you know that became apparent pretty quickly and then we and we just got to work on that
0: william for you uh you know on the effects side of the board it's subtle um there's nuances there's detail in the track uh it seems like there's always a seagull or an ocean kind of lap in the background what to you were some of the, the exciting aspects of this film and some of the creative challenges that you were looking at when you were going through the script in early phases
3: yeah i mean yeah to start by saying it was a uh, it was yeah quite a, um exciting challenge and and you know great opportunity to be given to work with someone like sam mendez um alongside you know oliver tani and rachel tate our supervising sound editors they've worked with him previously on a on 1917 which is obviously a very a very different film um but obviously that was his you know the most previous thing that he's done so kind of knowing that very well going into this one thinking what what is it he's going to want out of us for this one and it was you know as you'd kind of expect, a very big departure from that. So very early on, uh, conversations that we were having when we started putting the tracks together um, with Sam and Lee Smith, the editor, was um, about being really careful with our choices and not overdoing this film with sound. It wasn't about that. It wasn't that kind of style. It wasn't about throwing loads of stuff like the track lay and you know there are a few moments in the film where that was necessary but for the most part it was about the subtlety the nuances of performances trying to capture those spaces and a key thing that sam kept saying throughout the process was that he wanted this to feel have like an analog feel it's kind of it's set in the 80s you know it's it's set in a cinema it's all about film it's kind of this love letter to, to cinema and filmmaking during that that time period so we wanted to be You know very precious about that and making sure that we're kind of in line with what sam wanted so with that in mind we kind of you know we were stripping back layers all the time even when we thought that maybe you know this is as subtle as it could get sam was taking it to another level of like no no i want to pair this thing needs to go right back and there are some real moments in in the track where there's just almost nothing you know just to really hone in on on those performances, as a as a scene early on, I think it's when she's in the bathtub, and it was just like we played so many around with different water spaces and atmospheres, and it was just like no, I just want I just want the production sound and nothing else. And then when we cut back in with the atmospheres and the next scene, it, it kind of you know it draws us into that that scene with with you know whether it's a seagull or it's a wave or it's you know it's a wind. Everything was you know most scenes have not not too many things, but it's the right choices were being made throughout the whole process, and sound was so involved throughout this. You know, there was with like Chris said, the schedule was quite short, um, but the mix itself was quite long for for the schedule. It was more about have, being in a room with Sam and going through this through this mix, and so he was there the whole time, and we were kind of inching through it, scene by scene, um, and and kind of you know almost kind of on the fly making decisions. You know, right? This scene is actually more about this now, and we want to use these sounds and and kind of really kind of crafting it. You know, um, with him all the time um so yeah it was it was uh it was it was a you know a very a very very much a big privilege to to get to work with him for sure um and obviously we have those moments in the film like the you know you've got things like the, like the riot scene i guess is the biggest moment for for sound in the film so when we have those scenes that come along that are full of sound they have such a, such a you know big impact because it's so you know it's it's like we've been so subtle throughout the film right up until that moment
0: yeah i definitely want to go through that scene because it, it's it's an incredible moment in the story arc uh you know Stuart for you being on being on location understanding that space what do you do you lean into when it comes to preserving you know dialogue um performance how does Stan like to run his set and and you know do you find that you know is is he doing multiple takes and what type of coverage are you usually running with you know working within you know, most of this film takes place in the theater. So how, how did you find just the, the sonic environment of that space?
1: I think, well, it is the, the first thing is it's not a real theater. And that was a, a big uh, challenge for me because there was sort of two strands to my approach, I think, to the sound for the film. One was the preparation and planning. And then there's the actual recording and uh, during mixing during filming, which is the other. Um, the, the idea for this film was to... Um, build a pop-up stage on the seafront in this south coast uh, town um and it was basically a tent built by some guys who'd build stages for rock and roll and um they do other stuff as well and you know the the specifications for the soundproofing we were going to have on this pop-up stage were you know they looked pretty good on paper but um after the tent was built, we the plan was to cut one side out of it and put glass doors in along the front to let the light flood in. You know, it was it was that was why it was there. It was for this location by the sea, um, and the the so the customers could come in and out, but also the noise was going to come in and out. And we're not uh, in the 80s; we're in the uh, 21st century, and um, that was a real concern for me. So I. Uh went down to look at the site a few months before and um, flag it up with the producers, uh, take stock of how windy and stormy it was down there. My God, it's really windy. And um, so uh, we, you know, put things in place. We brought, made sure the services were going to come in like power and heating through the floor um that the set was self-supporting on its own steels that it wouldn't be in contact with the frame of the tent because then in wind or weather vibration could go through the thing uh the glass doors along the front um we talked with Roger Deakins and and production designer Mark Tildesley about could they be double glazed um but they thought that at that time in the 80s it wasn't common so Mark was great and we went through loads of types of glass and we found this really thick acoustic glass that's used in office buildings, built a test door and we got the glass put in like a rubber gasket so it was isolated so the vibration wouldn't go through into the frame of the door, into the frame of the set and so on. But all, all this preparation is just so that when the time comes that everything's geared towards of the live performance and um, with Sam working with the actors, that we can step away, and however loud they are, however quiet they are, we we can hopefully capture that in a way that uh, is going to be appropriate for for such a a film that's quite um, stripped back. Like, like Will and Chris were saying, sometimes you feel that it's it's all in a it turns on a word and and in this these. Um, voices and the dialogue um and the impact of that comes in when the the effects come in in other ways and it's um but it yeah so the there was a lot of preparation there was lobbying the caterers and the production to that food waste would be dealt with so that we wouldn't get loads of seagulls roosting on the roof and uh, all these little things just to or when there's period cars i mean i i, I, do, I I'm old enough to almost remember the eighties, but I don't remember how loud the cars were back then. I mean, they were shocking. So choreographing the cars so the loud ones weren't going by when they were saying something important and things like that. It's all just seems very mechanical, but it's, it's because you know that when you're doing the scene, you want to be sitting there, you want to be listening fully concentrated and, you know, feeding off the 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 rhythm of the of the actors and so on and uh, and trying to get a result that you that you think suits the suits the film and that sam will be happy with
0: that's great well i'm um, looking at some of the specific scenes that I, that just stuck out to me this this one moment with the man in the lobby you know he's eating and drinking he's talking to steven and there's a a patience it makes the audience lean in in a way that i i felt like just sonically would have been completely different if it was treated any you know any differently
3: now we kind of filled the lobby out with all the crowd and chatter of everyone in there and that had kind of continued out because that's what the scene was going on and sam had this concept of like i want that just to to you know this kind of hushed as soon as you know those like that that final moment in the in his in his dialogue is kind of thing i want everyone to like hush in it's almost the crowd within that lobby are leaning in and the audience with that are also leaning in so we were kind of like you know, finessing the amount of which we push that forward, and Sam was constantly trying to push it, like push us push as hard as with that. You know, as as kind of you know, force that moment as much as we can, and it really kind of works to a great effect. And because so you're watching that scene, and as you know, as it builds and builds and builds, and as you know, the crowd within that lobby kind of a silence, you're kind of like you're you you kind of get drawn in with them.
0: Chris, what 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 could you say in terms of from the tracks that Stuart gave you versus what you guys accentuated? What what was kind of the before and after effect of, of that scene?
2: This sort of simple starting point for something like that is the nice clarity of dialogue and so the spaces you're not inhabiting with noise from location which again, Stuart having done all that work to get it nice and clean you can so the the sort of main dialogue track does its thing as long as you have that control so then other elements for me would be the crowd and and then dovetailing with what Will was just talking about really just stepping them back because they're the they're the good dramatic things this this life around that is reacting to the moment, in addition to this this more stylized thing that's happening with the effects going quiet. So, uh, because of lack of music and just keeping it so so transparent and clear, there's actually only a small number of elements to just weave down to the moment and then expand again as we get back into this. Um, as this sort of drama unfolds subsequently. And it's, um, so from my point of view, once you've got that control, which always is a mixture is what you want as a dialogue mixer, you want to have have some control and then you can just subtly change some levels. And, and And Stephen's performance is so good, his calmness. Again, you just, it's nice to get a nice subtle level in his dialogue there as well.
0: Uh, one of the scenes later on with Hillary, when you know the police and the social worker are breaking into her flat, to me um the film could have almost ended right there it just seemed like that was just like the pinnacle of of tension and it really just takes off in a way just with her performance and everything that you guys do sonically Stuart what was it like on set and what can you say then obviously what we you know what happens in post because the impact sounds and the low end in the mix to me just like I could tell just cut through the audience when we were watching this film it was so effective
1: yeah I mean it's uh, Olivia Coleman is um she's incredible and to to be in there it's like being in the front row at the theater really but it's, it's um yeah it was just a Quite a heartbreaking scene, and with the, the her so still and stoic, and this the inevitability of this door coming in. Um, yeah, I mean, we just you just try and record the reality of it, and that that's all you can do. And then it's down to how how the guys and, and Sam are going to to use it and balance it and uh, increase the drama.
2: Again it was sort of I'll just I'll just finish with the dialogues before handing to Will because Will's work and Ollie Tarney's work on that scene was tremendous and and, and it was honed finely crafted again with Sam. But the dialogue and the pre the earlier part of that scene was quite interesting in terms of the dynamic of the movie because it's not an incredibly loud film, but that was a moment in terms of Olivia's performance. Hillary just was allowed to go loud when it really went and again you know you need the tracks that she at her absolute loudness she, it was meant to be properly properly discomforting and uh, uh, you know yeah disquieting to hear and so I was kind of that's a moment that's just I know that I'm thinking technically I can let it rip which is, you know, with dialogue, it's always interesting where you where you put your dialogues. Which her 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 arc, starting the, the laughter early on in the scene, and then Stevens just um, absorbing all this story, and and then so that went early on, and then the police arrive, um, and as I said, Will and Ollie produce something quite special in terms of the the. the and we'll talk about the remainder of the scene.
3: Yeah, that was quite a hard thing to get right because it's such a... you know, the the way that that moment builds, Sam always wanted it to increase in its intensity, you know, as the music starts to like fade in and get louder and you're kind of drawn into that kind of... that shot where you're zooming in on, on Hillary the idea was that the banging would get more and more intense and you kind of more become into her world, but it's like this kind of most overwhelming thing, you know, this kind of, you know, it was kind of like trying to build that up over only a few door slam, you know, door bangs was quite a tricky thing. And additionally, the other thing we wanted to do was have the first bang super loud because it's, you know, it sparks their reaction of like, Oh my God, these guys are about to break in. It was like, how do we, how do we kind of start big and then feel like we've got bigger? Um, and so Okay, we started out with maybe there's probably about five or six elements that make up that that impact on the door um, and you you know you've got you know uh, wood bangs and then there's kind of like low end hits and then we've also got things like the chain and the door cracking so it was kind of like a case of thinning out each one and building it up and as we kind of reach towards the climax of it but we've also got perspectives in there as well as Stephen goes inside the cupboard you can kind of hear us it's like how do we keep this going up but also try and preserve some perspective because we'd like to feel like you know that it has a place within the environment that we're in and it's not just like super real because we wanted the last view when we're in her head to be this kind of like that kind of like over the top super real ones um so yeah it was a real kind of uh you know uh like, you know, took our time over it crafting it through and it was like it was and as we kind of approach the back end ones, that's where we use like utilise a lot more low end. There's like solomonic, you know, generators going on there and then also we can kind of utilize the, you know, the room a bit more and it kind of pans into the surrounds and we kind of use more speakers. So it was kind of like you know starting there and then doing this as we kind of built up to that last point and adding more and more elements in. And the fact that you're kind of adding in those the the chain rattles and the door cracks kind of help sell the idea that this door is about to break. So by the time you get to the last one and it does burst through, that's a mixture of you know all the elements that we've added plus Stuart's production recordings because that's you know it was a great sound on set that out because they actually did burst through the door and made an amazing sound. And you kind of hear the locks fall off and drop on the floor. And yeah,
2: um, so yeah, it was a cool sequence to put together. And all the time, there's the, the the Cat Stevens track just sitting this counter sort of emotional thing going on in the background. You know, this calm, this kind of sweet track going on. So a classic kind of layering of, 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 of desperate emotions. Olivia
3: Commons not saying anything, yeah. but she, yeah. what she's doing with her face is like, oh, like sort of incredible. Yeah. You know, amazing performance
0: yeah i mean there's subtlety in the track there's subtlety in the performance i just feel like every every aspect of what we're seeing in the frame from deacons what how he lights it and what we're presenting the audience to see and hear from you guys uh yeah i mean it's we might say oh it's a quieter film there's not many dynamics but that's not that doesn't make it any easier and it doesn't definitely it doesn't make it less interesting because there's less you know no um, sound information one of the you know obviously Leading in a little later is you know with this riot. um, We once again we we shift from a music track into the sirens, and then it shifts to a very dangerous environment.
1: With Sam, I asked him how he was going to think of shooting the scene and um, it uh, transpired that he he was never going to take the camera outside. So you had this in the script, you had this um, parade of these gleaming scooters going by and all this uh, kind of fun uh, holiday atmosphere, which then turns kind of nasty, but the cameras were never going to go outside. So it was... um, having microphones inside also having microphones outside so that we uh, could control that when the skinheads come to start um shouting abuse through the the glass that we could have control over how intelligible or that wanted to be um and but it was yeah i mean it's it's quite shocking to be faced with that even if they're acting that kind of uh, you know racist violence which we kind of maybe think that that doesn't happen anymore but it, it um this was yeah like a real thing in the 80s and um yeah it, it was a it was powerful people were um there was times when it felt quite serious and, and people weren't messing about
0: it chris and will in terms of taking production tracks accentuating with the music track and also this kind of background of sirens what was the right balance and it builds in First, it, it, it's oh, that this is like Stuart's saying here. Oh, this is interesting. This celebratory. Oh, no, lock the doors. Now, lock the doors. Oh, my God, people are coming in. How did you guys want to build the track so it stacks and the
2: intensity grows throughout? Uh, just, uh, you know, there was a shape, uh, again, heavy lifting from Will um, and the subtlety. And I've let him talk about the effects and the way they appear. Because it's a rather beautiful opening up of where the you know the sound of the bikes, the distant bikes, is intriguing and so on. From our point of view, um, in sort of the left-hand side of the desk with the dialogues and music, it had a similar shape, but it just again had to just be the core, the sort of skeleton the main the spine of the scene, and it just started with this rather nice the party for Hillary and a rather chaotic sound and then we just had to get that balance of just starting to hear this intriguing sound which it turns out to be a dark eventual sound but it's warm and and intriguing initially so and then and the music shape actually from you know we haven't really talked a great deal about the atticus and Trent, um score but it's that cue again just had a really good shape that i didn't have to work it that hard once we'd established this dramatic um sort of trans long long transition uh, i mean the key things for me were the, 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 the dialogue and, and crowd that, that when they were when it got really horrible when they were banging on the glass and so on so we had this choice of how muted and how stylized we we really made that. And using EQ to really muffle the voices, and maybe and use a little bit of glass reverberant, uh, using plugins for that. So we kind of pushed and pulled that the sort of reality and more into the head, and so we allowed that to really go. There's, there's uh, this there's one obvious shot where the, some of the main skinheads are right at the glass, and it's kind of it's really shocking. But we didn't. We actually made the voices really muted, and so that it's very disturbing. And then, as I said, sort of um the, I was happy that the music just had a really lovely shape, and I didn't actually have to do too much on the music front just to have it so but the but again big layers of of really good work from will so I'll we'll talk about that
3: yeah it was a it was a it was a really nice like you said like chris said, it had a really nice shape to it it kind of ended up with a really nice natural shape to it in terms of the handover between the two, the two all the elements that are going on the music effects and and the dialogues and yeah, it was a nice scene to put together, obviously the whole point of it is that sonically you are going through what those guys are going through from start to finish so we start off in this you know in, in the party scene and trying to create the idea using the sounds of the scooters going past with but without giving the game away straight away so you know it was playing around with different delays and reverbs and kind of filters to kind of keep the keep the idea of like but that is the what well, that is the sound but it's been manipulated so and, you know to the confusion they have about, what is that oh we're not sure and then as they kind of go through the lobby we start to reveal it and. Sam had this idea that we wanted it to start really narrow as they're kinda of walking down the corridor and as they open up as they walk into the lobby it kinda of opens up and like Chris was saying, it's kind of this warm, like, you know, oh, they're enjoying the idea that there's this kind of parade of scooters going past and it's all kind of you know, everything, everything everyone thinks everything's all good and obviously that the mood shifts very quickly once you start hearing all the crowd from the outside, the shouts, and then that's when the score kind of starts to come in, you kinda of, the low drone creeps in and then start to feel a little bit uneasy, and that's the point at which skinheads start banging up against uh well they lock the doors first and then the skinheads bang bang against the uh the glass and yeah like sam had this idea where we wanted to kind of over accentuate the two worlds like the people on the outside and the guys that are safe inside um and i guess the best way to describe it is almost this bubble bursting effect this kind of build-up of the guys kind of piling up outside and we kind of almost went more than you probably would in terms of perspective with The guys outside in terms of rolling that off and boosting the low end and kind of creeping that up and up and up and you know as the as they're pounding and pounding and pounding we kind of like putting in more and more low end sound effects to the point at which uh you know the glass breaks and that's the kind of the bubble burst moment uh and at that point we kind of like nip to there's almost like a i think there's like a one frame kind of silence in there where it kind of nipped and then all the you know the filters snap out and top end all comes back in for that huge glass crack and that's the point at which oh okay right there's no more there's no two worlds anymore all the all the the guys on the outside are now in invading this space and they're no longer safe and that's when it kind of gets very chaotic kind of have all the crowds and all the kind of trashing sound effects and then the music kind of at that point just completely drives us all the way through to the end you know we kind of um, filter out all the effect they kind of filter off the music's just like kind of taking the lead on it and the way that that works out we played around with it a few times trying to you know, we went really real with it, you know, and just had all the sound effects in and the music and everything. It was kind of like this just riot scene all the way through to the end, as you kind of would. But then, you know, playing with the idea of filtering, filtering out all the, all the sound effects to nothing and just going with the music really kind of drew, drew you in to the severity of what's going on and how brutal it was. And Stephen and it kind of you focused in on the two main characters, which was Stephen and Hillary, uh, more than all the stuff that was going on around that. Um and that was kind of you know that made that scene even more shocking watching it that way and then you know as the sirens start to come in they they kind of like bring us back into the real world. It was a nice way of being able to kind of ground us back into reality by kind of having the sirens come in filtered and reverbed, and then they kind of like
2: end up being that kind of comes off music comes out and then we're we're into the ambulance it's worth just just to finish off it's worth it's worth um sort of referencing all the story work and kind of creative work that's done earlier in the film to give the, the foyer of the, the cinema just the warm safe feel because visually it's there all the color the orange and the, the carpet and so sonically that and that was discussed really early on that this is going to be a safe space it wasn't always safe emotionally for uh hillary but ultimately that was uh, how it felt, it looked, how it was shot, and the sound had that thing. You didn't have this br- any brittle reverbs or anything. So you would that feeds all the way through the film. Then and, and when when we have have seen Seth set there, and it meant that even even prior to the, the 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 riot taking hold and everything, there was when they all line up outside. You've established this. They line up and they're all smiling and enjoying this incredible sort of feeling of watching the scooters go by. And that's sort of you've built that up, you've actually paid your dues early on, story wise, and we also could, could get involved sonically. And, and clearly, um, you know, Roger Deacon's work and that, and the way it worked. And, and Stuart just allowed it to be uh, to get the right tone, you know,
0: Stuart, I'm, I'd love to understand in terms of, you know, uh, knowing that this is a quiet track, knowing that room tone, breath, things that would probably fall into a foley kind of realm, how much how much of that translates do you think to the final in terms of that that handoff between does a quiet track mean that there's more you know emphasis on the production tracks or do we then rely on more of the foley team to to help ele- elevate some of that like what's the what's the balance in your guys' mind especially for this film
1: I th- it's it's an interesting question because you're obviously the 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 small things are kind of amplified so that the small y- you know the breasts, the lip smacks, all the, the clothing movement are amplified, but also the things you don't want are amplified, the small things. So you're kind of, you're wrestling and clinging on and fighting and kind of putting out fires and just to, to stop those intrusions that you don't want. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's the, you know, the use of uh, Foley and everything just to, to, ground everything and and make it sound real was was uh was essential as well but but used in the same way that um we've all been working in in a subtle way and only as necessary just to 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 make it feel real um i mean it's sam's has a vision of everything you know he's on top of the 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 shots the the compositions the uh, production design, the costume, the the sound, and and everything, and it's uh, it's great to have a strong direction from that. I mean, obviously, you know, Rogers brings a another dimension to the whole thing with this cinematography that kind of that elevates. It. But um, yeah, I think we're we're lucky to have Sam's vision of it. That he's quite clear in what he wants to preserve and what he wants to take from. From post and from production, um, so we take his steer on that and just hope that um, we've built up enough experience with him to to anticipate what he's going to be happy with at the end of the day, and what's going to do justice to the to this to the story and the performances and the drama. Because you get a, I think working with the the cast and and with Sam and and hearing the conversations, you 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 get a an instinctive sense for for you know how, which way he wants to take things.
0: William how did you find uh how you treated your Foley? How did you, how did you treat some of these nuanced aspects? Well yeah what what was what, what was your approach to that?
3: Yeah. I mean obviously like number one with this whole film was getting as much out of the production track as possible and Stuart did a fantastic job with everything that he captured and in fact there was you know a whole bunch of wild track stuff that Stuart did as well that we made huge use of, you know, with atmosphere, seagulls, um, he recorded um, some Ambio stuff in the in the premiere scene with all the crowds. All those crowds are, you know, a surround sound recording from set that we kind of put through the Ambio plugin, and we kind of pan around. And so you know, we the whole the whole thing with this one was utilizing as much from set as possible. So when it came to Foley, uh, you know, the job with fo- mixing Foley is always trying to make it sound as natural a- as possible. Um, and the Foley guys we work with, uh, Foley mixer Adam Mendez, he-, he always does a fantastic job of capturing, you know, fun- like beautiful sounding Foley um, that was always you know, kind of beds in really nicely and naturally. And this one in particular was all about, you know, being as natural as possible. Um, so, you know, that was kind of, you know, working against the production track as much as you know as hard as you can trying to basically sort of almost a being at times going like can i even tell whether this is production or foley anymore and a lot you know and a lot of the time throughout the mix it was always a bit of a confusion whether that's foley or that's production because i feel like we did quite a good job of you know making it sound as real as possible um and also foley is a, a great tool to be able to sell spaces and this whole you know this whole thing with the lobby and, and the cinema and the cinema as a whole being this kind of nice warm space the foley was a great tool to be able to sell that you know using nice nice lush kind of soft reverbs um, to to help you know accentuate that space always t- tends to go a little bit um, you know quite heavy on the verbs in spaces but you know n- not even if the even if the dialogue's not necessarily covered in reverb you can kind of use foley to kind of sell a space you, you know you don't want to cover the dialogue necessarily in a huge verb because it kind of gets kind of a bit washy and you kind of lose in- intelligibility but Foley can be used to kind of sell that space so Um, I always kind of tend to use that as much, you know, as force the idea that this is the space that you're in, but without overdoing it because as soon as it starts to become Foley and everyone goes, what's that Foley? You know, you, you've kind of lost, you're not, you're not selling it anymore. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a really nice challenge. Like you say, it was, it was, it's, it's not in it, not always an obvious use of it, but this was a real kind of uh, a test of how subtle you can be with that with whilst kind of keeping to the brief and kind of selling this idea and matching the visuals and the spaces that we're in and kind of really trying to sell this kind of, you know, at times really magical world that Sam is, is trying to create.
0: I mean, from the first frame through the end, it's just consistent in, um, I think in that tone and in the intention that Sam is setting. To me, the final montage in the theater, we have, you know, the the projection is Norman and it's like a love letter with, with Hillary being an audience member. any of their last takeaways for you guys in terms of what you appreciate about working on a film like this? I mean, obviously collaborating with someone like Sam Mendez, I feel like is a dream come true forever. any creative. So yeah, maybe Stuart, what, what what can you say in terms of empire of light? How is this unique and different from the other films you worked on with us? Sam, what, what do you appreciate?
1: I think it's, uh, yeah, I've worked on action films with a lot going on all the time, but this was no less challenging because this is about the small details, which are, um, in this, in the story and with the actors, these details are amplified in significance, um, and which means that y- you hope you spent enough time getting rid of all the small things that you don't want, so that you can concentrate focus on capturing the things that you do want, and just it, it sort of drives you every day when you. When you work, you see a scene played by these uh, actors, the performances that are sort of one-off takes where they it just hits the the nail on the head, and um, that drives you to each day to kind of think, you know, can we improve on that? How can we do it better? What's you know, you just want to um, to sort of honor the the position that you're in and and try and and uh, capture that and preserve that so that everyone can experience what you just did experience on set
0: perfect chris what about for you working with sam for the first time what were your thoughts about empire of light what's unique about this one
2: i mean i knew by reputation that sam was just going to be meticulous and demanding on a level of if if you could do the job and and do it with good communication and understand where he was going it was so this kind of you know, it was the first time working with Sam, and and then it was so it was mainly Sam and Lee Smith in the in the theatre. There's just that kind of mixture of kind of nice apprehension and excitement about trying to deliver their their vision. And and it, we knew again, we knew in advance that they were very clear that the cuts in the avids tonally with all the uh, the source music, and needle drop music, and so on was the way they wanted, the the movie had the shape they wanted uh, uh, coming out of the Avid. Uh, In in many ways, that's often the case, but we knew that um, there would be this fine, fine, fine attention to detail from Sam, who has the most prolific memory of it. It's just incredible. And so our, so once we'd got into the, having got through the film, uh, a one full run we just would we just um, we had you know luxury of a few days of review of doing the, the film like seeing it again and again and he's he's just phenomenal so as i said there's a kind of excite exciting level of pressure that comes with working someone at the top of the trade like sam and uh and and that was exciting it was great and again all all the all the factors all the people involved as you described earlier is just sort of pretty incredible so uh, a, a great challenge and hopefully we did um did okay but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> William what about for you?
3: Yeah, I mean like the guy said it, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity working for a very prolific filmmaker. Uh you know, it's always going to be exciting work for someone like Sam Mendes. Um he is yeah, he's one of the most intelligent articulate directors I think we've ever worked for. Um and he did put us to the test for sure and you know it's always we always, you know, we always relish a challenge and, uh, you know, hopefully we, yeah, like Chris said, hopefully we, uh, we succeeded in the one that he set us and you know, it's, you know, this is it's a collaborative process and having someone like him in the room for, you know, a large chunk of time as well. It wasn't like he'd just come in and do a review and then go and leave us to it. He was there the whole time, um, you know, going through the whole thing with us. And like Chris said, we were reviewing all the time, you know, and I've never worked in that way before. It was a really nice refreshing take on how to put a film together. You know, we were working through it rather than kind of, doing a final mix over a period of a few weeks and then reviewing it we do a, you know we get through in a, you know a few days then watch that and see where we're at and this whole kind of concept of looking at the film as a whole thing you know we you know and, and getting to that point sooner than you might normally so that you can kind of start tackling you know bigger story arc and you know how we're kind of using sound throughout the film to develop you know from early on so that we can start working through that you know rather than getting 3 4 weeks into a final and going oh you know what this isn't working And then having to quickly finish it's like right let's get through the whole film in four days watch it let's make a dcp go to a cinema and watch it and let's kind of watch it in the right environment and then it's felt you know what do we take away from that and we kind of were doing that each week um and 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 kind of finessing it as we went on and you know i've I've definitely never worked like that at that you know in in that kind of way and it was a really you know really great way of working and seeing how you know how he likes to put a film together and i think we all learned a lot from that
0: quiet is not easier uh, I think there's plenty of, of really cool opportunities that you guys took um, from this project. So, yeah, thank you again so much for, for your time. And, yeah, people go check out Empire of Light. So, yeah, Stuart, Will, Chris, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Cheers, Michael. Thank yeah, you very much. for having us. Yeah.
0: yeah thank you for
2: having us.